So, first of all, my name is Ashley. If you don't know me, now you do. So, thank you for coming out tonight to Regeneration. Um, so, tonight I want to do something a little bit different with you guys. I've been doing a lot of soul searching and just thinking about my past and where I've came from and what's been going on in my world and... Um, I'm going to take you guys someplace tonight that we're not encouraged to go too often, but I'm going to ask you guys not to stay there too long, okay? So if you guys are comfortable closing your eyes, feel free to close your eyes. If not, it's okay. But, um, well, today marks a day for me that was meant to break me, but in the long run, it, it initially, it made me. Today marks the day that my husband did die 12 years ago. But glory be to the Lord, he's at home and he's safe, amen? Amen. So tonight I want you to take yourself back. I want you to take yourself back to that place. Where were you when you hit your rock bottom? Were you in a jail cell? Were you sitting there alone with the cuffs on? Were you hearing 15 to life, thinking you're never ever going to see the light of day again? Were you smoked out in the backseat of a car that didn't even run because that's where you lived for the moment? Where were you? Were you waking up in the hospital after you just got hit with a few of Narcan thinking you weren't even going to make it? Was it a self-induced attempt at suicide that didn't work? Where were you? Was it the plunge of the needle? Was it the twist of a pipe? Was it the tilt of a bottle that went down so smooth so smooth that it just like, it numbed it all for, the, for a temporary time? Were you serving a master of disaster, of self-destruction? Where were you? Sit there for a moment, you guys, and smell it and feel it. And remember, remember the hurt and the pain and the suffering and the darkness and the loneliness. And then start to think about that moment that you cried out. That you cried out and you realized that something had to change. And as the darkness was lightweight snuffed out and the light became on, what did you feel? Did you feel joy? Did you feel hope? Did you feel freedom? I'm sure you probably did, right? But I want you to, to remember that he was there even in those desolate times, in the times when, when you thought that there was no hope, that there was no coming back. Where were you at? Were you running for a cause that you didn't even understand? Were you giving it all for the homies? The homies that weren't gonna be there in the end that weren't even really real? Start running for a different cause, you guys. I've been thinking a lot about that, like where I came from, and every place that I just mentioned is a place that I was at that I too stood there six years ago. To mark the day on the 27th will be six years. But I don't want you guys to stay in that place because Jesus didn't call you to stay in that place. He didn't call you to stay stuck in that hurt and sorrow of losing your baby, of losing that marriage, of losing yourself and your life. He called you to do something different. You guys have all been set apart, you guys. Jesus didn't call to equip, but he, he didn't... He didn't call the equipped, he equipped the called. And he's called each and every one of you. What did you guys hear? Was it Sean, come back to me? Was it Claudia, you're enough? I'm enough. Was it Jasmine, reunification? What was it? Because he's called each and every one of you, you guys. No matter what you call him, he's there for you and he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. So I just encourage you guys tonight, tap into the word and realize that you guys are enough and he is enough and he's worthy and he's able and he's willing. So shake yourself out of that moment and realize you've taken the first step in the rest of your life to do something different. Sorry, I'm nervous. I'm all touching myself, shaking. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> you know what I mean though? All right. So let me just close with a part of a scripture real quick. It says in Psalms 121, I lift my eyes into the hills. Where does my help come from? 
My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So no matter what you guys call him, Jehovah Jireh, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Great I Am, you know what I mean, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Sovereign Daddy, he's there for you. He heard, your, he heard you in your distress, and he's going to hear you today. So right now, he's asking you guys all to surrender it at his feet. Lay it down at the foot of the cross. What was it, Alex? Was it reunification? I don't know. You tell me, but you know, and he knows. And he's placed a calling on each and every one of our lives. So don't squander the time that we have here, but get planted, get rooted, and go and march, and, and just ask for those orders and execute it. I don't know. I know he loves you and I love you and I wouldn't be able to do what I do today without each and every one of you and without the Lord Jesus Christ. So thank you and hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He is risen. But um, that being said, now what do I do? No, I'm just kidding. All right. So now we're going to jump into some regeneration. So Regeneration is a group of men and women affected directly or indirectly by any life-dominating sin. Regeneration, to throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. We no longer have to walk in the guilt and shame of our past. We can now overcome the hopelessness resulting from our addictive behavior by remembering the promise from 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will purify us our sins. Purify us from all unrighteousness. Okay, sorry about that. Um, We believe that a person can be set free from addiction and compulsive behavior by the power that comes from Christ. We are told in 1 Peter 5.8, be alert and of sober mind because the enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. (laughs) Okay, come on. (laughs) We believe that attending meetings such as this and applying biblical, biblical principles to our lives that we can be set free from the chains of addiction and begin to live productive, joy-filled lives. Jesus said, the thief does not come except to kill, steal, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more. Amen. So if you're tuning in on our live stream, um, we welcome you. Thank you. And um, we're going to jump into some chips. Did I? Yeah? That's right. Okay. All right. So is there anybody here for the first time? This is not to embarrass you, but to welcome you. And what is your name? Veda. Welcome, Veda. And we have Sandra over here. And then who's, and we have one back there by Hector. And then we got Kenny over here as well. Welcome. Did we miss anybody? No? Okay. Anybody celebrating 30 days? 60? 90? Six months? No? Nine months? One year. Multiple years? Okay. Do you want to, what's your name? Sarah. Sarah? Well, congratulations. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) Do we have another multiple year over here? How long? Okay. And also, if you're on our live stream and you're celebrating any um, date of sobriety, we ask you just go ahead and comment below, and we would love to congratulate you. So once, oh, one behind me. Uh, hi, Emily. Um, ten, I celebrated, it is August, right? Uh, ten years, August 8th. Amen. 
Okay. So then. Okay. So if you guys need to, if anybody wants to connect, you have any questions, feedback, you need prayer, you want to serve, um, go ahead and reach out to any of the Regeneration leaders. You can also find us via email at regenerationmeeting at gmail.com. Concluding tonight's um, session, we will have breakout groups. We'll have coaches group in the middle school room, the women's group in the grill. Um, are we doing men's integrity group tonight? That will be in the family room and the men's group in room 200. And then um, we're now gonna have the ushers come forward and we are gonna collect an offering. So if you would like, you can, don't, or you can offer into the baskets or you can um, write out a check. Please make it out to Calvary Monterey Memo Regeneration. Or you can also give online at um, calvary.com and memo regeneration or select regeneration. Whew. All right. <laughs> so now, if you guys would, go ahead and bow your head with me, and we will continue to pray for the offering and for the evening. Okay, so Heavenly Father, we come before you right now, Father God. We just love you so much, Lord, and we thank you for all you're doing in the life of everybody here, Father God. We ask right now, Lord, that you reach in, you fill this place with your spirit, Lord. Touch each and every man and woman in this room, Father God. Give them a spirit of, of love and peace and give them the courage to ask you to do something different, Father God. If there's something weighing on their hearts that's so heavy and they don't want to divulge it, that's okay, Lord. But you see it and you hear it, Lord. So we just ask right now that they just surrender it at the foot of the cross, Father God. Give us the strength to just keep pushing forward, move to the beat of a different drum, and to just, just exalt you, Lord, because you are worthy, and we just give it all to you. All the believers said. Is your, your name is Ashley? I'm Ashley. Ashley, that was really good. Oh, so you. we kind of switched up our order on that note. Y'all know that, right? That like every single knee will bow before him. Every single knee will bow. You know that, right? Like, Amen. and then so we know him, so we don't have to worry about it. So we're just gonna be like, "Hey, Jesus!" Like in the end, after this crazy life that we have, that's so hard sometimes. I get it. Like I know I had like the craziest, weirdest day today, and just I can know at the end of the day that I have a place for me in heaven. I have a mansion in heaven. These days will not always be like this, and that one day I get to see him face to face, and every single knee will bow before him. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you. Yeah, give him a hand. Have a seat, please, for a second. It is testimony time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The powerful thing about a testimony is, first of all, is what God has done for you. And the person that's struggling, the person that, you know, that's in the program, that's going through it, that has to face themselves, that has to uh, be held to accountability, that has to be caught on stuff, they can't see past that. So a testimony helps somebody, you, you, you'll pull somebody out with a testimony. You'll help somebody see the light with a testimony. You'll help somebody know better who God is with a testimony. Not just, you know, uh, spending a lot of time on the, on the corrupt things that you did, but making sure that you give God the glory for where you are now. Amen, that's so important. You know, uh, just taking ownership of it. You know, a lot of testimonies I hear, I had a good family. You know, mom did the best she could. Pops wasn't there, but pops did the best he could for, you know, whatever he was doing in that stage of his life. So I'm not putting blame on, you know, my dad wasn't there or my mom didn't do this, my mom didn't do that. There was always somebody around to give me the right thing to do, the right instruction to do. Even if it was a homie on the street, you know, you shouldn't be out here, man. Go in the house. You ain't got no business out here with us. And there was somebody around to give you the right thing to do. But we chose to do different. I chose to do different. Um, I was born and raised in Oakland, California. Woo! Thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, I was a little, uh, a, a humble little kid with a big old afro. You know, uh, everybody liked me. I had all kind of, I had so many aunties, they weren't blood related to me, but I had a gang of aunties. 
a gang of uncles, you know. Uh, my mom took us to church at a very early age. I'm talking about the Church of God in Christ. Yeah, where well, you go uh, about 8 in the morning and don't leave till like 3.34. Hallelujah. They was trying to make sure you got some Jesus in your life before you left up out of there. Amen. Anyway, we went to Sunday school and uh, I learned how to play drums. They would never let me play because I was straight garbage, but I'd be bugging them all the time. Let me play, let me play. Can I play, can I play? And then I started just sitting on the drum set before they got there. So they had to, they, yeah, they had to make me move. I tried to get at least one or two songs in. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, uh, my mom took us to church and we prayed and we used to sing songs at home. My mom was a, was a believer, for real. She was speaking tongues. Hallelujah. I'm talking about just cry out to the Lord. And she had so much courage when she did it. You know, a lot of us, we scared to just do this in the, in the service. My mom would get up with both hands up. And, and I'm talking about she just let the spirit flow. And that's the kind of, that's the kind of church I grew up in. A spirit-filled, tongue-speaking, amen. You will feel uncomfortable about your sin when you left the church. Amen, for real, because it's, it's, it's a difference nowadays. You know, a lot of uh, teachers will, will have you comfortable. I'm going to go on and say it, they'll have you comfortable, talking about, oh, there's forgiveness, and, you know, uh, don't fault nobody else because they sin different from you, and this and that, and you know what I'm saying, God will forgive you, and, you know, shoot, I used to look up at the sky when I left church, and I was there, I was thinking that the sky was going to part. Like, yeah, Jesus and, and everybody was going to come down. You know, yeah, fire and brimstone preaching. <laughs> Hallelujah. But anyway, uh, I first got in trouble just trying to be a show-off, trying to fit in with the, with the crowd, with the other kids in my neighborhood. We went to the mall, and, and this was so stupid. I grabbed a pair of sunglasses because I didn't see a camera, even though it was mirrors everywhere. You know, I'm, I'm talking about I'm super square, super green. All, I'm talking about exact. I didn't know nothing, but I wanted to fit in. So I stole a pair of sunglasses, and I walked out, put them on. Just, I'm talking about just going with it. Put them on, walked out the front of the store, walked down the street with them. You know, like, okay, this is, this is easy. I started thinking of what else I was going to steal. And then all of a sudden, here comes these two, kind of like Austin side, you know. Walked up on me, and one of them grabbed my arm, and it was like, can we talk to you for a minute? And then that's when all the square came out. <laughs> I'll start. <laughs> I started crying and boo-hooing, and I tried, <laughs> I tried to cry my way up out of that, and they took me in a little holding cell and all that, and I went to juvenile hall for the first time for stealing a pair of sunglasses. Yeah, and I got a real good butt whipping and everything when I got home. We used to get whipped with the stitching cords, I'm telling you, dude, dude, yeah. My mom and grandma, well, my grandma, she didn't believe in whippings, but she had a backhand out of this world. <laughs> she was just catching you, you smacking at the table, you sitting there, you chewing, and you, Pow, right in the forehead. My, grandma, my grandmama didn't play. But anyway, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to be like the, the other guys around the neighborhood. You know, they had convertible top discs, and you know, they had feelers, and you know, gold earrings in the ear, and chains, and all that. You know, I wanted to be like them. So I started hanging out, and uh, I got a, I got a uh, sack of dope from a guy. I'm telling you, I was super square. Put it in the most obvious place, trying to hide it. So when I sold to an undercover, right? <laughs> they came and went straight to. They didn't even look around for it. They came and went straight to the staff. <laughs> and I went to jail for a sack full of rocks. And what I was trying to achieve was not. Achieve, I didn't even get ten dollars out the deal. You know, I got juvenile hall time, sitting on the top bunk, and that still didn't stop me. I wanted to be like the guys in the streets. So when I got out of jail, I went straight back to the neighborhood. And it was a lot of abuse because I was square. They knew I was square. They knew that I was born and raised in the church. They knew that my mom was a believer. They knew that my stepfather was a believer because they would come to the school and they would talk to the teachers and they talked to the other students and all of that. And they would always talk about the Lord. You know, that's, that's who my family was. You couldn't, even when I'm talking to people, some people just crack up in the middle of, of me talking to them because I say words like amen and hallelujah in a regular conversation. This is a trip. <laughs> yeah. So they knew that I was raised in a church. And, uh, you know, I was just, I 
want to be in so bad. I want to fit in so bad. And, uh, you know, I, I got my feet wet in. They used to let me drive a car, drive the cars a little bit. You know, they liked me, and they had probably just pity on me or whatnot, but I drive the cars around and all that. They sent me to the gas station, gave me a pistol in the glove compartment, and I had the music up, and I really thought I was doing something. But it was a setup to go down a, a, a road that was not meant for me. So uh, I was hanging out and hanging out and being abused and getting into this situation and that situation. I didn't have no game, but I, I learned it because I was always a victim of it. I was always a victim of a scam. I was always a victim of a come up. People was always stealing my dope. Even the dude I was selling dope for, he was still the dope. So I would own him. I would owe him. And then I'd be grinding for him forever for no pay. You know, just out there, just no sense of direction, but trying to fit in. And then uh, I went back to Juvenile Hall for some more, for some more dope. And I got out and my mom had moved back to my old neighborhood. And then when I got out of jail, they accepted me with open arms. And they gave me all the drugs I wanted. So I had action at cars, guns, just everything. And you know, through the whole time I had somebody praying for me. I had a praying mom and I had a praying grandma. And I had people in the church that I grew up with praying for me. So if you got somebody that's an addict, and you're a mom, not even a mom, whoever you are to that person, keep on praying for them. Because prayers changes things. Prayers have saved me from life and death situations over and over and over in the middle of a shutout, in a shootout, bullets flying past me, but don't hit me. I've been shot in the knee, I've been shot in the back of the neck. You know, I'm alive today because somebody was praying for me. So please keep on praying for your loved ones. Hallelujah, God's he God hears when you cry out on behalf of somebody else. But uh, yeah, uh, I got shot, just all kind of stuff, but you know, my mentality was, was street. You know, I was in the game, but by this time I knew all the lingo. You know, I, I had some game, had a little game about myself, hallelujah. You know, I just, yeah, hallelujah. You gotta have something, you better know something out there. But still, uh, you know, I went my own way. Let me grab a water real quick. I don't want to be standing up here dry mouth uh, sounding like a tweaker. You know how you get dry mouth when you're talking? <laughs> I remember this guy had, got, had, had came and got me to audition at his church. He was a Hispanic church, and they was on fire up in there. And uh, I had tuned the drum set up, and I played drums. And he was giving me a ride to the drum shop to get some drum rings. And I, I'm talking about, I was just coming off a good one and I was super dry. And it was just me and him in the car. And when I went super dry and you get that, that little stuck that he looked over. <laughs> it was so funny. Hallelujah. But anyway, God is good. Hallelujah. God has saved me from all kinds of situations. Uh, the situations that you don't know. Uh, I, I, I feel David and all of the things that he'd been through and all the people trying to kill him and surrounded by his enemies and all that. And you know, the only thing I could do, and I'm glad I knew to do it, was to cry out to God. You know, save me, help me through this. I remember I used to stand on the, on the, uh, on the corner in the hood and I used to look down the street and it was like a little, a little drop. And I used to say to myself, if I could just get past this corner, I can achieve anything. You know what I'm saying? And then it went to, if I could just get off drugs, I can achieve anything. Hallelujah. And right now, today, in my soberness, in my living for God, I'm living all of the things that I used to dream about as a kid. And we're going to get to that. Uh, I was in Turlock, California. I never get tired of telling this part of the testimony. And I still don't remember how I got to Turlock. But I was in Turlock, California. I, trust me, I've been trying to remember for years. I do not know how I got to Turlock. <laughs> anyway, I was in Turlock, and you know, we find out where the drugs and, and, and the people at immediately. We, we find it. We, we'll walk 10 miles, you know, 20 miles with $5 to find who got the drugs. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, I, I found them, and uh, this lady had bought me a motel room and gave me a $50 bill. She was like, something in my spirit told me to just look out for you and give you this money, right? 
And I was like, I knew I was, I knew it was God. And uh, that was the type of things that was happening in Turlock. Cause I didn't have no job, I didn't have no hustle, I didn't know nobody out there, but I knew who had the drugs and I knew where to get high at. You know, I knew where to find a pipe at, stuff like that. Anyway, I'm hanging out there and this guy says, hey, I knew he was talking to me when he said, hey, but I didn't look up. He was like, hey, and he was like, hey, brother. So you know I had to look up then. I'm the only black dude over there. And he said it like, you know, brother, like, you know, so I looked up and he was like, can I talk to you for a minute? And I was like, yeah, I went over there. And he was like, uh, if you want to dedicate a year to your life for change, I know somewhere I can take you. He said, it's a program. He said, it's a Christian program. And I was so right when he said Christian program because I was raised in the church and I knew I was going to get some help. And I took his number and he was like, uh, Whenever you want to go, you call me, I'll come get you immediately, and I'll take you to this program called Team Challenge. So uh, I hung out, and I got high some more, and I got, I'm talking about, the neighbor down the street sold uh, a sack of dope from his roommate, and he didn't know nothing about it. And he brought it to me, the big homie, and he said, uh, you know, do something with this. I don't know nothing about it. Do something with it. And, you know, we could just split the money, the profit. I took the whole sack and smoked it. <laughs> the whole sack. I'm talking about it. it was a nice sack, too. And this was some good stuff. And I didn't have no water, no alcohol, no nothing to offset it. I didn't have no cigarettes, no nothing. I just, I didn't even have no pipe. I had a couple of lighters and some tinfoil. <laughs> you know, you know how nasty that is. Anybody that smoked meth, you know how nasty that is. I was not. I didn't have the patience to, you know, tilt the, the uh, tinfoil this way and all that. You know, I burnt the hole in it. I get as much as I can get before that hole burn in the tinfoil. You know, that's, <laughs> that's how going I was with it. So anyway, I smoked the whole sack, and now I'm like, I'm talking about super wired. Like, there is no rescue for me right now. I'm gone with it. I'm hearing voices. And then some people came by to visit, and I noticed some tattoos and all that, and then that's when the, the they out to get me voices start coming. You know, oh yeah, you know, oh that's terrible. So I make it back to the house, but I got a ride from one of the dudes to the house, so now in my mind is they know where I live. You know what I'm saying? So that night was just terrible. I'm laying there, and I'm gone, and I'm, it's the TV playing, but I swear somebody on the side of the house and they plotting and they're about to come in. I, it was terrible, I'm telling you. I never tweaked out this bad ever. Well, well maybe once before. Maybe just once before. That was a long time ago. Anyway, I was, I was I'm talking about blast out of my mind. They finna come. Ooh, I'm hiding in the closet. You know, everybody uh, woke watching TV. I'm going from one closet to another closet. I don't want to head under the bed. They're going to find me under here. I went back in the living room. Make a long story short, my cousin ended up taking me to the hospital. And so even in the hospital, I just I swore they were right outside my, my window, right outside the room. And it was plotting on coming in to get me. And I didn't want to stay in the room because, you know, they might shoot through the window in the, in the room. So I started walking up and down the hallway. And then further down the hallway, I could have swore I heard somebody say, there you go again. There you go right there. <laughs> right? It was just terrible. So, you know, I finally, they gave me some medication. I finally went to sleep. I woke up. Hallelujah. That episode, that episode was over. And uh, I went back to my cousin's house. And uh, my wife, we, we were married at the time, but she was like, well, my cousin said you can't stay here. So, you, you know, you got to leave. So I took a blanket and I cut. And I went back to the house that I was getting high at to use the phone and I called the dude from Turlock Nazarene and he came and got me and he took me to Team Challenge. Now on the way to Team Challenge with another, you know, I wasn't all the way, I got past that night but this the next day is still some traces of it. Cause this dude is on the freeway and he's just driving forever. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, man, you know, as soon as he pull over and try something, it's going down. I ain't going out like that. You know what I'm saying? I'm through hills and windmills and, you know, I ain't even seen a cow yet or nothing. You know what I'm saying? And then we pull up in Teen Challenge, which was a straight junkyard at the time. The building was blue. The cross that's there now in the front was on the building. None of the cars worked. 
You can tell they didn't work. The place was dirty. I went up in there, and I was like, man, I had a whole pack of cigarettes. You know, I, I, I just gave them up. I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to give up. I got uh, Randy. Randy at the time was a student. Randy did my uh, induction. And then as uh, soon as I got upstairs, the, the atmosphere, my whole mentality and all that, I started singing songs uh, that I uh, learned to church, like, bless that wonderful name of Jesus. Oh, bless that wonderful name of Jesus. Come on and bless that wonderful name of Jesus. Well, there's no other name. I know that was me in the morning, getting up, getting my toothbrush. Bless that wonderful name. Before you knew it, everybody in the center knew, bless that wonderful name. So I got to a point, I was very angry. Let me say this part first. I was very angry when I got there. I had issues. I, the, the 12 steps was like, man, come on, y'all ask too many questions. Way too many questions. But I, I, I promised myself I would be honest and I would go through it, but the steps I had to do like a little bit at a time because you know them questions and them piercing questions was just a lot. So I do a few minutes and I put it down and I get away. I had to come back to it because it was a lot. It was a lot inside of me. But I was honest and I was very angry. And at the time I, I was swole back then and I had been doing prison time and all that. I'm talking about, I'm like four sizes bigger than I am right now. Just super swole, but with the skinny legs though. Like uh, Georgia the Jungle or a great vape or something like that. Anyway, uh, I was very angry, uh, just super angry. I remember chasing the dude upstairs because he took the ping pong ball. And it, it wasn't that he took the ping pong ball, he was super square. I knew in my mind, I was like, if I'm walking down the street and this dude coming this way, he gonna cross the street so he don't have to pass by me. And he gonna take the ping pong ball, then look back at me like, you know, with the. So I chased him upstairs and I ran him into the wall and I got rolled up. I stayed rolled up. It got to the point to where if I even, you know, gave a little scowl or something, they rolled me up. <laughs> anyway, I got the third phase. I thought I had everything together and I left the program and I went to Las Vegas. I had like a two year party, got some trouble out there, had to come back. I was like, okay, it's time to go back to Team Challenge. I went to Watsonville, started hanging out in Watsonville. I'm talking about all in the, the, the river, the creek, all that, ain't nothing down there but Border Brothers and Serenios, I'm all out of pocket. I don't know no Spanish. All of them speaking Spanish, they got machetes down there. You know what I'm saying? I'm down there hanging out. You can't tell me God ain't good. And, and yeah, grace all the way. Anyway, I end up getting in, in, I got spooked out again in Watsonville. Yeah, I ran into the Watsonville Police Department bathroom and locked the door. <laughs> I'm serious. I locked the door. I locked it. I'm like, they're they about to get me. They don't care about this being a police station. They're about to get me. I went in there and locked myself in the bathroom. And I called a guy named Alex Flores. And I was like, let me come stay at your house. He's like, what's that? Staying in my house going to do that? ain't going to help me now. He's like, why don't you go to Team Challenge? And I was like, oh. That's what I was supposed to have been doing in the first place, <laughs> is going back to Team Challenge. But I started hanging out. So anyway, he called Bob. Bob was a director at that time. And Bob said, bring him in. And I went in. And that began my, my real journey to uh, recovery. Uh, within the program, I got remarried to my wife. Amen. Hallelujah. Sarah and, the, yeah. Sarah and the ladies did the decorations and everything. It was so pretty. Uh, Pastor Jerry did the, the service. I didn't have to do nothing but pay for the tux, which I rented. $75. Anyway, I'll show that we got married. Uh, today, I'm a local pastor. I'm going to just cut it short because I know in the testimony, you end up taking up all the time. Uh, I'm a local pastor. I'm a worship leader. Uh, I called these beautiful people together one day and like, let's form a team. And it was like, yeah. And Adam wasn't uh, complete yet and Casey wasn't complete yet. But boy, was we waiting on him. Because I knew that he, I knew he could sing. Can he sing? Hallelujah. And I know he could play the drums real good. Hallelujah. So uh, God is just good. When I completed the program, I had different options for jobs. Uh, I stuck with painting. I've been painting for two years. Uh, I've had like five raises so far. 
I get side jobs, I paint side jobs, and I always have the opportunity to minister to somebody, to tell of God's goodness. Whether it's a homeowner, whether it's a coworker, you know, God will put people in your path. Please tell, please tell your story. Yeah. If you don't know a Bible verse, that's all right. Tell what God has done for you, mm-hmm. and it will help bring somebody out. Not only that, God will give you double. Hallelujah. Yeah. Every time you open your mouth and say something about it. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Tune in next time. I got for part two. We're going to have another testimony real quick. Just a, just a quick one. So on the way, the, uh, the, what we had planned switched up a little bit. Hallelujah. But that's all right because you have to leave room for the spirit to do what the spirit wants to do. Amen. So this person does not know they're about to give a testimony at all. They did get a warning shot, but that's about it. So without further ado, Adam, I'm just kidding. Senator, can you give us a short testimony, please? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, bless that wonderful name. That's what he used to do in church when I was growing up. When they catch the spirit, they go, oh, Hallelujah. Okay. Uh, I, I kind of get nervous about speaking like this sometimes. Um, so uh, I'm Sindel. I'm 25 years old, and I'm from Susanville, California, which is like six hours north. Um, I grew up um, in a very loving home. Um, I was three days born, three days old, and I was in the church, and I was raised with a grandfather who was a worship leader and um, a very um, God-oriented family, and um, I had had my struggles, you know. Um, My father wasn't around, um, but uh, we created that reconciliation as I got older, and so that was good, you know, Um, but... I was I was pretty I was pretty solid, you know. I had a good home, I had good grades. I was very um, involved, uh, cheerleading VIP, which was violence intervention prevention, which is ironic because of where my life went. And um, and then Seroptimus Community Service uh, Club, which was also ironic because of where my life went. And um, and so I was just very and then drama drama club also, which was ironic because of where my life went. Um, <laughs> and so um, I was very involved in high school, um, but then there was like that social aspect of it, and I was kind of like one of the most uh, one of the people that was involved with all of the groups. I wasn't um, discrimination against anybody. Like I was friends with everyone, and in a way that was good, but in a way that also kind of led me down the path that I went. Um, when I was 15, I started going through a lot of family issues. I was raised for about 10 years by um, my grandparents. Um, my mom was a single mom, and she was working two jobs, and I had a younger brother. I'm the oldest of four siblings. And um, so while she was doing that, I was getting a good education with my grandparents, um, very tight-knit. When I was 15, my granny was diagnosed with breast cancer. A month later, my papa was having heart attacks. And for me, that was like my world was starting to shatter a little bit because I didn't know what my life was looking like. And my family was everything to me. It was my identity. Um, being a shobel was an identity in, that, in the community that I was in. And um, who my grandparents was cast a shadow on and this is who I'm supposed to, these are my standards, you know? So going through that, it was, um, looking at the reality of possibly losing them shook me. And it didn't just shook me, it shook my mom. And have it, she had me at 16, so I grew up with her. And watching her break, I was always somebody that was her backbone. I was tired of being a backbone. I was tired of being somebody dependent on. I became very selfish. I became very um, all about me. No, I'm going to do what I want to do. Like, my depression's hitting, all this is going on, I'm now turning 16 and a half, I'm getting a job, I'm trying to like help out around here, but in that time, I was also like, okay, I'm gonna start doing what I wanna do, you have a husband, you have all this, like, you can depend on him, I'm gonna go do me. 
um, 18 hit, and my papa is still going through his heart attacks. My granny's going through chemo and radiation. Um, I started hanging out with all of my friends. Um, I was in relationships all the time. Never was <laughs> learned how to be single and happy um, and okay with that. Very codependent. And so uh, at 18 years old, I um, was done. I was done being that older sibling of my three younger siblings. I was done being a daughter that wanted to follow the rules. I was also with um, a minor at that time, and my mom didn't want that. And so she said, you need to live under my roof. You're going to go by my rules. I said, no, I'm good. Um, and I left. And uh, that started my homeless journey at 18 years old. Um, I got on my feet. I was still drinking. I was start starting the partying. I was... Uh, smoking weed, vaping, doing stuff like that, the gateway drugs that they, that I was gateway, no, they are. Um, and so 18 hit, went homeless, was doing all that, got my life together. I became a preschool teacher. I started going to work. I um, got my education, my early childhood development. In the world standards, I was becoming successful. I had a nice apartment. But every weekend, I was partying, drinking, doing whatever I wanted. Um, I got pregnant, I miscarried, and then I got stuck on um, narcotics because of um, the problems that it caused. And so I led into a super deep depression, and I was just, I was just done for. Um, at 18, almost 19 years old, I was already like spiraling. And, um, and I quit going to church. Um, I quit listening to God. I quit. I kind of quit. I didn't kind of. I quit talking to my family. They didn't want anything to do with me as long as I was in a mess. And um, uh, so I kind of really got distant from everybody. Uh, I left my apartment. I lost my job. I started working at Walmart. I got another job. Uh, got another place to live. And then I got into a relationship. And this relationship was what destroyed me. Um, three years of abuse, and um, not just that, but I had narcos, and I would sell them, and then I would re-up, and then it, that wasn't good enough anymore, so I umped up to ecstasy, and then it went to meth, and then I became an IV methamphetamine user. And so that went on for about three years. I completely lost everything. Um, I lost my self-worth, I lost my identity, I lost um, this relationship that I literally almost killed myself for. Um, and in that relationship, my family really cut me off, I burned all of my bridges. And I'm 19 and a half at this time, I'm about to turn 20. <laughs> and so I, and I just didn't care. I was this man and, and he had a little boy, which I used to, to fill a hole in my heart from my lost one. Um, was everything for me. And so I gave all that, um, I gave up my family, I gave up everything, and I did whatever I needed to do to keep what I knew. And uh, so I became, a, so I did whatever I needed to do. I was loyal to a fault, um, so much to a fault that I became the fall person. Um, I ended up going to jail because I um, had possession of stolen property on me, and um, I, it was a ridiculous charge that I was a first-time offender. Never, I've never had anything problems. Um, actually, it was my family's friends that were there that were arresting me, um, that watched me grow up from a little girl in the church to having to arrest me at 100 pounds on the street. Um, and so having to like go through that, and um, I actually talked to those uh, the cops, and I said thank you because them arresting me. Um, in 2017 was what started kind of the wake-up journey for me. Um, I ended up having to go to court, facing all these things. I just pled guilty. Um, they dropped down my felonies down to misdemeanors, praise God, because that's never heard of. Um, and then I got sober for about four months, went back to college. I broke up with the guy. He went to jail. He got out of jail, I went back, and it restarted the whole cycle. And I ended up living in Reno, Nevada, worked at Tesla, um, and then relapsed. And it just started the whole spiral again, except for this one was worse because I didn't have a place to live. We lost all of our housing. I ended up on the river. Um, and 
we didn't have the little boy anymore. He was having to stay at his aunt's. And so having to go through all of that at 21 years old um, was a lot for me. Um, this is not how I pictured my life at all. And so we go back to Susanville, and we go back, and then I, we, it was me and two, three other friends, and we go back to Reno, and I got stranded there. It was my boyfriend at the time and his three friends, and um, I got left at the Grand Sierra Resort overnight. <laughs> And no room, they just left me there, um, dropped me. And so I'm like sitting there freaking out. I'm high as a kite. I was probably up for three or four days at this point and I'm spun, I'm burnt. I'm still rolling at the same time. And I'm like, dude, what is going on? Like I don't have a phone. He took my phone, he took my money, he took everything. And um, I'm just walking Grand Sierra and I see a familiar face and I'm like, whoa, like, it was one of my friends from Susanville, and I was like, what are you doing here? And he was like, I'm coming up from the Bay Area. I'm trying to get back to Susanville. I said, crazy, me too. And so we end up walking all the way from the Grand Sierra, which is like downtown Reno almost, all the way up to like McCarran, which is the top of entrance of Reno. And um, I started calling everybody, my friends, um, everybody but my family, because I didn't want to tell them that they were right, because I was proud. Um, I didn't want to have to face that shame and that guilt and just um, having to run to them again for the same thing that they've warned me about my <laughs> last three years of my life. And um, I called one of my friends and she said, no, I'm not going to come get you, but I'll figure something out for you. I said, okay. And then the next thing I know is my mom's calling this gas station. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And so I answered the gas station phone and she said, are you done? Are you finally done? And at this point, I'm maybe 90 pounds, um, short, chopped off blonde hair. I'm walking around in a plaid shirt with leggings and disgusting brown boots. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'm done. I'm finally done. I can't do this anymore. I knew that it was a matter of I'm either going to die because of these drugs or I'm going to die because of the abuse. And I have to make a change. And so I said, yes, I'm done. She said, okay, I'll meet you at the Del Taco, which is like a mile up the road. Um, I'll be there in about an hour. I said, okay. She picks me and my friend up, and we drop him off in Susanville, and she said, where to? Told her, back to the trailer. And so um, she dropped me off at the trailer. Stupid. And, um, and I was like, and she said, you have till 8 a.m. tomorrow morning to call me, or you're done. I'm not going to come and get you, and this is it. And I said, okay, yeah, no, mom, I just need to grab my stuff, um, which was true, and um, I'll give you a call. Um, I ended up knocking on the door to that trailer, and our friend opens up the thing, and it looked like they seen a ghost. They're like, oh, no, like, how are you even here, you know? And I went in there, and I was so mad. I was so angry. I was hungry, and I was tired. And so um, they ended up taking off. They went to this casino that night, and while they're at the casino, I stayed back at that trailer, and I packed up all my stuff. I um, was ready to go, and then I fell asleep. I woke up the next morning. All my stuff was unpacked. All my stuff was hidden. I couldn't find my ID. I couldn't find my social security card. Nothing. Everything had just disappeared. And um, all of his friends in there, are, all of uh, my ex and his friends are there, and I'm like, where's all my stuff? And they're like, we don't know. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And so um, the, his phone rings, and it just happens to be my little sister. And, she answer, and I answered, and I said, what's up? And she said, are you coming home? And I was like, yes, I overslept. I need you to tell mom to come and get me. It's 11 o'clock. I missed my deadline by almost two and a half hours at this point. And, um, and so she like okay and she goes to my mom crying she's like I called Sindel and my mom was like why did you do that she's like if she wants to come home she'll make it a priority to come home so she talks to me and I tell her that's I was like yeah no I'm ready to come home I was like but I need you to bring Sabian which is my brother and he's like six foot one six foot two and just massive and um, at this point I didn't know what was going to happen if I tried to leave and um, so I grabbed whatever I could find of mine and I sat outside and I waited outside that trailer and I never looked back um, I ended up going back home. I got sober. It was super hard because my family had to watch me go through the detox and everything like that. My younger siblings watched. My grandparents had to see it. Um, and so 
I ended up deciding to go to CRNA, um, CRNA, oh gosh, um, drug and alcohol, mental health, just trying to just like fill this hole that I had in my heart that's just like never ending. And I ended up uh, deciding to finally just uh, talk to him about going to a rehab. Um, my drug and alcohol counselor had a relationship with Tim Lendablade, who runs the men's center, and said, we have a woman here, she's ready to go. Um, contacted him, um, he met with me, within 24 hours I was gone. Um, and that was where my life changed. I came into the program uh, back in 2018. 18? 18. 2018. And um, I stayed. Um, and having to go through all those 12 steps, realizing <laughs> what a mess I was and what I caused other people, it was um, a wake-up call for me as well. Um, knowing that God had a, a purpose on my life. And so I decided to stay on, um, completed the program, stayed on as a staff intern, been in a staff intern, and now I'm also running the um, restaurant. I opened up the restaurant for Teen Challenge, and, um, and I also run the kitchen for the program and mission as well. And so, yeah. So, went through that, and now here I am. And I'm just praising God for every step of the way because um, He had His hand in all of it. He had to let, um, huh? Okay. He had to let He had to let me go do through that so I could be where I am today. And I'm praising Him for that. So our time is short. We had two more songs, but we're just gonna do one. Hallelujah! It's called "Good Good Father." And uh, God is good. You've heard the stories. You have your own stories. We are grateful people. An addict is the most grateful person that you know in your life when it comes to giving God praise, when it comes to having an attitude of gratitude for what he's done and what he's pulled you out of. So I just want to invite you to stand, and we're about to just tell him how good he is. Hallelujah. From your heart, lift up your hands, close your eyes, just uh, worship with us and letting God know that he's a good, good father. Amen.